0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles.
1: Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
2: With Lucky Landslots, Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with the stars and creators of the hottest shows on Broadway, off Broadway, and beyond. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to the actor Brian Cox. No relation. With a long and very active career that's seen him play everyone from King Lear to Herman Goering to Winston Churchill to Hannibal Lecter, Brian is having something of a pop culture moment right now, thanks to his role as the fictional media mogul Logan Roy in Succession. And just as that HBO series saw its popularity explode during its recently concluded second season, he also stepped into the Broadway spotlight this fall, portraying President Lyndon B. Johnson in The Great Society playwright robert shenkins sequel to his tony winning play all the way brian's in the studio with me now to talk shakespeare succession his sprint to prepare for the great society and what's been gained and lost in the entertainment industry over the years hi brian thanks hi. for joining me my pleasure gordon um so i'm talking to you in the last just at the start of the last month of your run in The uh, great society mm-hmm. um What are you enjoying about doing the show? And has what you are enjoying changed over the course of the run?
2: No, I'm enjoying the, I I love the play, and Mm -hmm. I love the fact that the play deals with issues which not a lot of American theater deal with. Yeah, like what specifically? Well, the historical aspect Mm -hmm. of, of how we are where we are, and especially in our current political climate, it is very much reflected in what went on in the 60s. And you'll see that in movements that, America always takes a time to play catch-up with mm. its political life. Uh, I mean, Johnson, you know, it's, it, the f- slaves were freed in, in 1865, right. but it wasn't until 1965 that they got voting rights. Right. So it's quite yeah. fascinating from that point of view. And and that whole, I mean, well, I, I love Bob's work. I think it, it's, it's, it's almost Shakespearean. This is Robert Schenken, the playwright. Robert Schenken, yeah. sorry, yeah. Bob's, Robert Schenken, the playwright. And uh, I love the fact that he's tackling a subject which is both classical in its in its demands because it is like a it's like doing one of the Shakespeare history plays.
0: That was one of my questions actually: is how much because you have a lot of experience with Shakespeare, and I wondered how much something like this reminded you of. something. Well,
2: very like, much so. Yeah. And, you, and, you, and you need that kind of energy, you know. Like, right. uh, Bill Roush, our director, talks about yeah. language to language, so that you really have to come in. You can't hang about with it. And, and, and Language writes. to language, is
0: that what you're
2: saying? Language to language. Uh-huh. It means that you there basically it means there are no pauses. Okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> you know, then, <laughs> yep. and, you know, that you pick up right. from where you go off. You know, a scene stops and then you start. And then you keep yeah. You know, you don't go pause, wait, what have you, wait right. make a moment. You, you and you have no time for that. Right. And that's the demand. I mean, that is why the play is immensely difficult to yep. do. I bet. And it was so difficult because we've only did it in three weeks. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, you know, i had just done this TV show. Yes. How did.
0: soon had that, had your shooting that ended before you picked up rehearsal? Oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> a week. Yeah. Uh,
2: and I had to start with the lines. And of course, it's 154 pages. Mm-hmm. I only had three weeks. Yeah. So, and originally, Jeffrey Richards intended it to be a. As Jeffrey was, the producer Jeffrey the producer yeah. and Jeffrey Richard the producer he intended it to be a, a dramatized reading because he had the theater for this time so he wanted to go for the theater said and he was desperate to do the play right said so we'll do it as a dramatized reading Bill clearly didn't think that was such a good idea <laughs> and uh, and then he, I mean, and I said, okay, fine. I said, yeah, we, we'll probably have a few uh, LBJs. They'll, they'll change. I said, oh, really? Okay. And so he, would you do the first batch? And I said, sure, thinking it was a dramatized reading. Right. So I agreed. And then Bill called me and said, you know, we'd like you to do longer. I said, oh, that's fine, okay. As long as you pay me, being a Scot, I thought, right. yes, okay. You know. <laughs> right. And then the next thing I knew is, was we're going to do it as a full production, not as a dramatized reading. Right. So I suggested to Bill that you could possibly kill me in the process <laughs> because yes. of the demand. <laughs> so I had three weeks to do it. And I knew I have this wonderful assistant friend who's been helping me called Mickey Abati. Mm. And he was—he taught me the lines. He literally had yeah. to teach me the lines, and I had knew eighty percent of them by the time we came to the first preview. Right. And I said to Bill, I said, you know, I can't. You know, I have every waking hour I devote to this, and I'm not a kid anymore. Right. And he, he said, Is well, it harder now to memorize lines? No, find? It's yeah, not. no yeah. It's just, yeah, no. It's just—it's not. It's yeah. just that this is ridiculous. It's just a huge, Yeah. yeah a lift, anybody would yeah. find this. You know, where, right. no matter who they were. Yeah. Actually, younger people would probably even find it harder because they get more distracted. (laughs) I'm (laughs) older. I don't get as distracted. So in a way, what we agreed on was, uh, well, well, first of all, I was going to take the book on to show that it was something in process. It was previews. Right. And then they weren't keen on that idea, which I understood, but I also (laughs) thought it showed really what the demand of the play was. Yeah. So we came up with a system of uh, having an earpiece. Right. So I had an earpiece for the first 10 days of the preview. How
0: hard... That seems really hard to have to, like... Well, it's hard.
2: It, it, it's hard because it's only... Um, you, you learn to do it. And Mickey and I, who... Mickey's an old friend, so... Right. He kind of adjusted Mickey's interesting because he he was deaf as a child, yeah, well, and I, and when we were rehearsing <laughs> the lines, I kept saying, "You know you keep a little, I keep hearing I'm, I'm a bit deaf as well, mm. and then he confessed to me he said, "You know I was deaf I, I only learned to speak when I was about eight, and I went, "Oh hmm. really, and I said, mm, that could be a problem <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thinking when we do, but actually he was perfect, absolutely perfect, right. but the interesting thing was we did it in that way that we and you f- they feed the line in and i And of course, um if I pause, he will feed the line in mm-hmm, right. and 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 then it gets me going. I mean, I just right. need a word, and i 'm away, yeah, yeah so it was like that for the I mean I kind of knew it, but you know i wasn't a hundred percent with it, you know, about eighty percent with it, but I knew the shape and everything, and i'd worked it because i'd worked it every day with the book with the book with the book and right. and 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 understood the demands of the volition of the play. You because know, it has to have tremendous volition. Right. So I kind of took it up on that level and uh, and it seemed to work, you know, and we and then finally we got to the opening and you know, and the rest is the right. history yes. of the play. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Um and you've played real people before. You played, you know, Winston Churchill and uh, you know another like, exactly. oh, Yeah, Herman Goring exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. How how do you think about uh as an actor, how do you think about Trying to do something to sort of convey some sort of mannerism or the way they speak or their physical versus well, your own interpretation. Well,
2: the, they they have clear. I mean, if you're playing Churchill, I mean, he's mannerist gone mad. You know, in terms of you know the B sign, the the cigar, the yeah. hats, the whole the whole thing of him. Yeah. The drinking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and his and his speech. You know that thing that he had, which was. His performance speech is very different from his speak speech. You know that he wouldn't speak. He didn't speak, like when you hear him speaking in real life. Occasionally, you you pick him up. Like you're, there's a couple of videos where he's speaking, doing the speaking, mm. and then he's talking. He's saying, "Well, what did you think of that?" So he's much more right. natural. So there was this performance element, and this, and there's always the performance element. Especially if you play a politician, right? Yeah, because right. you know, they're, they're the biggest performers there is. Right now, Lyndon Johnson, it's the Texas speech. It's uh, getting that vernacular, getting the the f- way he used, and also he used his. I mean, he could be very with his own people. He could be very fast, very cruel, very you know. Right. But when he talks to other people, he could be a lot slower. They're like the fascinating co- conversations. And the LBGA tapes, which is a series of DVDs, which you can get, Mm. uh, of him talking to Jackie Kennedy, for example, just within weeks of Kennedy's assassination. And he's very, very, uh, very considerate, almost kind of slightly kind of seductive in a way. I mean, Mm. not not, not consciously. And she completely melts when she speaks to him. And that was what was interesting is the effect that he has on people, so you knew that this was this was an incredibly ca- incredibly complicated character but I mean and full of full of contrast but right. kind of true very true but also a politician and also getting his own way so those you put into the mix and with a sense of you know, a physical sense of who they look like, what they are, that that's a given. But in Johnson's case, it's very much, even more than Churchill, ironically, it's very much to do with his speech. Hmm. You yeah. know, it's, it's to do with how he used his Texas role. Right. And the lovely thing in the play is there's this reminder, my favorite speech in, in The Great Society is when he talks about, um, he talks about the, his growing up period when as a kid in the hill country and all the women he grew up and and how he brought electricity and you realise this is the man he was you know, that he and he became a congressman and uh, he grew out of that and he's and of course, and again to go to the Shakespearean side of it, it's epic and he's this, the president so he's an, a kind of like a Shakespearean king and he has these flaws which finally the thing about telling a lie, how you start off with one little lie and how it builds up to bigger lies and how eventually you, as he says in the play, I don't know where I am anymore or who I am. So there's a sort of tragic momentum to the part, you know, which is, makes the part very, cha- very demanding, very challenging and, and also very rewarding.
0: It sounds like you did a fair amount of research on. Like, him
2: well, career. I and did a research, but I had to do it very quickly. I mean, I couldn't <laughs> yeah. read. I couldn't read the Kara books. I mean, right. you know, cause yeah, I, read, right. I would still be reading the Kara <laughs> books. You know, <laughs> exactly. uh, I mean, I hear they're great, and I actually promised myself I am going to read the Kara yeah. books now because uh, his work is extraordinary. Mm. But the tapes were the thing that helped me. That was and that's quick research because right. you've got the man himself and you're hearing the man. So you're dealing with your relationship to the man as opposed to your relationship to an author and the man. Yeah, of right. course the author I have is Bob Schenken. Right. So I, I go with Robert. I go with Robert's play and I I acknowledge Robert's play and what Robert is doing and what he's attempting to do and how and how also the context what you are doing and how important it is in terms and particularly now, you yeah. know. Because it really is about the machinations of American political life.
0: You know? Yeah. Did you see all the way? Uh, no, on I never stage? did. Yeah. Sadly, well, it was sadly, because I was working,
2: so I yeah. was busy, you know, so I never saw that. So, so you know,
0: didn't. You didn't uh, catch Brian Cranston's performance. No, I, into never, it. Yeah. I never.
2: I never got Brian's performance. So right. it, so it's diff It's a. You know, it's it's a it's a different thing you know you, yeah. you, 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 I wouldn't have wanted to see I mean if I'd seen Brian's performance that would have been the fact but sure. I, nature and nurture and all the other stuff didn't allow me to see it because yeah. I wasn't available to yeah. see
0: it. and doing Shakespeare of course you've seen you must have been in plenty of shows where you've seen other people play those roles oh yeah it's a thing that happens I've seen lots
2: people. of Lears I've seen <laughs> lots of I've seen more Hamlets and I've had hot dinners sure. so I've, you know, I've seen those parts being repeated and, right. and it happens in movies too you know you look at I created the role of Hannibal Lecter yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Right, you yes. Know, so, uh-huh.
2: I mean, and now I see everybody playing Hannibal Lecter since then. Yep. So it's a bit, it's an iconic role that's reinterpreted yeah. and will be reinterpreted. It's in. It's slightly out of fashion, but it will come back. Yeah, and, yeah. You know,
0: they'll, re- they'll read this. Oh, remember that? That's a movie for listeners who don't know uh, called Ma- uh, Mindhunter? Man- no. Manhunter. Manhunter, thank you. Mindhunter is the that's is Netflix thing. series, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and Michael Mann directed that. Michael yeah, that Mann was directed that. it was an early it. film of his. Yeah, recalls, and it, so.
2: was, it was his second movie, and it was yeah. the first movie... It that that character would be in it,
0: yeah, right, right, yeah. Yeah. um you mentioned uh, you'd just finished up uh, working on your TV show, um, yeah and, and the it sort of felt like to me that as great society was starting and getting going, that at the same time succession sort of had this huge explosion yeah. in kind of awareness and popularity and yeah. sudden interest. I mean, I was one of the people who came on board with this like started watching once the second season sort of started yeah, and went yeah. up from one and went that, one. A lot
2: of people did that. A yeah. lot of people played catch up on that. Yeah.
1: So. That's <laughs>
2: understandable. That's the, and that's the great thing about long form television and also television where you can stream, you can pick it up, you can get it on demand. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did the, the sort of coincidence of the timing of those two experiences, how did that how did they impact each other? It was other? bizarre. Did, yeah. It was
2: just <laughs> totally bizarre. I mean suddenly there I was doing this having done this, uh, this amazingly. And I could see it. And it was just, I mean, I literally started rehearsing after the final episode. And, of course, mm. when the final episode hit the public, I mean, they went...
0: Which was just, uh, as I'm talking to you, just a couple of weeks ago. And yeah. That's right. Yeah.
2: And it, went, it, it kind of went, wow. You know, everybody yep. went crazy about it. Yep. And it was happening while I was still rehearsing. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of weird. It was weird. <laughs> and it was weird for me because at my age, you know, I mean, I've done a lot of work. But I've never done so much work that has been so to the fore as it was in the, in this time, you know
0: yes, that, because it's, it is I can see how not only succession but also the great society in its own way kind of speak to what's happening right now exactly very,
2: exactly yeah, and, right and, and and I'm sort of and also because I'm older, and there are not very many of us around that mm-hmm. tend to fall off the perch. I mean I've seen you know, my comrades over the years, sadly, some of them live. Not as long as he should have lived. Quite right. honestly, I'm thinking of my great friend Alan Rickman, oh, yeah. and who was right. a great friend, and we started together. So, I, and was still a shock to me. And when I think that he's not around anymore, yeah. so in a way, I've 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 kind of gained advantage out of that. Yeah. And also, I always knew as a young actor. I mean, I, I was told by several people who were ment- mentored me when I was young. Uh, one was. Uh, Lindsay Anderson, the director mm. Lindsay okay. Anderson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other one was a, a wonderful director, unsung hero of the British theatre, started the wonderful theatre in Manchester called the Royal Exchange. Mm. And he was the father of Marianne Elliott. Oh. Uh, well. Called Michael Elliott. Okay. And he was probably the best theatre director I've ever worked with. Wow. Really I mean, astonishing, astonishing mm. talent, really. And. Uh, Obviously, his daughter has picked up on. It just, she's not bad herself. No, <laughs> yeah. considerably, and it's yeah. interesting because actually, Marion was my assistant oh. when I, I directed Richard the Third in the twenty years ago. Wow! And she was my assistant, so it was kind of bizarre. It's yeah. kind of bizarre. So, yeah. but Michael actually said to me, he said, "It's, it's going to happen much later for you." Hmm. He said, "You're, you know," because I was playing parts way beyond my age when I was in my twenties. Well,
0: I feel like. Did you play Lear at 40 or something that? I was 44 like was, when I, mean, I was... I mean, come on. <laughs> I was 44 when
2: I played Lear. Yeah. And then previously, I played Titus Andronicus, oh, okay. which was my biggest Shakespeare success. Yeah. When I was 40. Right. So, I mean, I did all of those parts. And in fact, ironically, going to back to the great society, mm. because of this panic that I had, and I really did have a panic. Yeah. How am I going to do this in the time, given my age? I thought, what am I going to do? So I literally had a conversation And called upon my younger self. Hmm. I literally said, I called up the 40-year-old Brian Cox and said, what do we do? How do we get this through? And he said to me, it's going to be really difficult, really difficult. But um, I don't know. Let's see that the old muscles are there. And they were. Yeah. You know, I mean, physical muscles. I mean, I still have some physical problems because I have to wear lifts on stage. Yeah, I, right. And that I can't be. My legs really. I, yeah, it's hard on that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's hard on the yeah. legs. But uh, so that's fine. So that's, that's just, to
0: make you as tall as JJ, right? Yeah. Or, to, I mean, yeah. I'll never be as tall. Closer Yeah, I'll right. get up
2: there, you know, to look lo- <laughs> lo- roughly. Right. So I wear that. And uh, so that was one thing. But the other thing was the the, the muscle memory of the brain mm. is astonishing. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm at an age now where a lot of people are going into the Alzheimer's zones or the right. dementia zone, and right. you know, touch. Wood, I think the movie Wood. Somebody Yeah, touch wood that doesn't that's not happening. Yeah. But I still forget names, you know. But the sure. but that well, old so do part, I, so. that you know, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's very. And when I when I hear somebody as young as you say that, I always yeah. feel very reassured. Come on, yeah. No. <laughs> but but the interesting thing is that that was the thing that that got me through it. That the, the old muscle memory that just said D- you did this. This is right. what you did, and what how you prepared and how you did your day. And of course, my day is. It's all about the play. I mean, I because I have no extra energy, you know.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do feel like we should uh, for we should exhort listeners to watch Succession if they haven't already. Only because, uh, I feel like it is uh, one of the casting directors is Doug Abel, who yes, in theater, and I feel like every time I turn around on that show, I people who have gone to see shows in New York stage shows in New York for years and years will recognize. Almost every single actor on that. Like, they just sort of pick these people who show it like, Peter Friedman has a major part Yeah, that. Like, I I don't know that I've ever seen him on, no. on screen no, before. Peter's and, wonderful. Yeah, and he's great. And Jason yeah, and, Cameron. Uh, and, uh,
2: and, yeah, like, Jason. I mean, okay. the, the extraordinary thing about it is that Peter's character keeps getting fired, but Jesse Armstrong, <laughs> you know, he just says, oh, we'll rehire we him. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> it's well within Logan's lack of morality to do that. Sure, <laughs> right. Logan
0: and, Roy is the character Yes, I exactly. Him. Do you find, how do you find your theater work sort of filtering how you filtering into how you work on something like Succession, because uh, Succession has its own sort of Shakespearean elements to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of, well,
2: there's, there's clearly the Lear references Yeah, in right. So you know, you know about the overall sweep of it, so you kind of know you learn quickly about the man and then you create the man. I mean, you learn what the man's demands are, what Logan's demands are, right. and then you create the man. And you create the man, of course, I mean, I used to get uh, anxious that I didn't have the scripts, you know, in the first yeah. series. Right. In the second series I was very grateful not to have the scripts. That's interesting. Because I liked the frisson of not knowing. Mm. Because I'd already established who Logan was and they trust me. Right. And they and, you know, I apparently I've given them a lot in terms of how they write Logan. They right. kind of they write it for me, you right. know, which is fantastic. Yeah. So now I will do anything that they ask because we we, we've achieved a kind of wonderful uh, sympathique mm. b- between one another. Whereas in the first season, I was very much the hired hand, you know, right. playing the role, and the role was there. Except, in fairness to them, they, each episode was always later and later and later because they were always making that adjustment. Sure. And that's how it's worked for all the actors as well, not just me. And yeah, yeah, Jeremy. no, I imagine. It works for Jeremy, it works for Kieran, it yeah. works for Tom, you know, for, you know, uh, uh, Tom, I mean, Matthew McFadden, mm. and the wonderful Sarah as well. I yeah. mean, it's a
0: wonderful cast. Yeah, it's really great. Um, you you started to mention some of your early days in uh, back in the UK in the theater um you were born in the UK and did your training and early work there what brought you over to the US well it, it was a simple thing really
2: i i always as a child i i'm scots mm-hmm. yep. so my natural predilection a Scots, I'm I'm actually a micmac i'm an irish scot when a lot of i've never heard that term a micmac no, Yes, okay. <laughs> it's a, a it's a, it's, that's the Irish Scot who came this way. As, I mean, came to Scotland. As right. to, most of them went to America. Right. But a few of the foolhardy ones <laughs> went to Scotland. Yeah. Uh, and my family came to work in the juke trade business. Um, uh, I mean, there were ju- um, the women, yeah. the men were unemployed. They were known huh. as kettle boilers, the men because that's what they did, right. and they were all farmers they'd all been farmers, right. but at the time of the famine, there was no work right. so and the skills that were required were people who could spin uh, right. flax weave uh, jute yeah and 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 weave mm-hmm. and my that was my that was my family. they were all right. part of that generation they came from Ireland, and the women did it right, so that was you know that was the ghetto area that I grew up in, so I I my adherence always in in terms of entertainment was always to do with American stuff. Right. I mean, I I responded much more to the James Cagney, you know, the mm-hmm. the Pat O'Brien, that sort of those American yeah. kind of icons of the time right. than I did to Alec Guinness right. or Kenneth Moore or the English guys because right. that was as alien to me as anything hmm. so I always had this thing about the movies right but of course the tradition in England is the theater it it is the you know you can't get away from it we you know America is about cinema but right. England is definitely about the theater because of Shakespeare mm-hmm. and you can't get around Shakespeare as mo- try as you might so I became, you know, I, I worked in the theater. I started in my hometown in Scotland. And then I eventually went to Lambda. And the reason I went to Lambda, because there was this amazing teacher who came up while I was, at, while I was in the theater. I was literally the, the second, second ASM. Mm. And this woman arrived. And the guy who ran the theater, who was a guy called Bill Davis who's very famous for playing the smoking man in the, um, what is it called, that series? Uh, the X-Files, the that X-Files, one? yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Bill. Yeah. And uh, he was, you know, but he ran the theater. And he said, I'm bringing this uh, young woman up, and we're having a voice class. He said, would you like to come? And I, I had no idea what a voice class was. I mean, I had a, Gordon, I had an accent you could cut with a knife. <laughs> I and mean, you really couldn't understand what the hell I was saying. So this woman arrived, young woman. She was very, very young. She was in her, oh, she was in her early twenties, and I just thought, I want to go there. Mm. I want to go. Where, I want to go to where that woman teaches, mm. and that woman was Kristen Linklater.
0: Oh wow! All right. <laughs> That's who that was. Who is? I mean, is she the most famous voice teacher? Well, she is. The, she is was, one. She's certainly one of them, if not. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. Two yep, vo-
1: yep.
2: Famous voice teachers. Yeah. And now, I mean, I went there, and of course, as soon as I went there, she came here. Right. She came right. to New York and yeah. had this amazing career with Shakespeare and Company and everything yeah, right. up there. And uh, but now, ironically, uh, Kirsten is, is back in Orkney, and she has this huh. voice studio in Orkney, and I'm dying to get there yeah. again, because I'd like to go and get. Uh, You know, I'd like to have a you know a retread, but so that was a great influence to me. And then why I came to America was in the nineties. I was it was great because I ended up doing theatre. I did a hell of a lot of theatre, and I would go from theatre and that that. But there was always this thing of movies, and we don't we never really had any a movie industry in the UK. We did movies, and we did a lot of great movies. But from my point of view, the great time of movies was the free cinema of the sixties with. You know, Lindsay Anderson, Carl Rice, Tony Richardson, Alan, actors like Alan Bates, Al- Albert Finney, Tom Courtenay, right. Peter O'Toole. That was a great period for me. Yeah. And it was a very liberating period. It was the greatest period of social mobility. It's, mm-hmm. It has since evaporated, needless to say. Really. But what happened was I, I always had this appointment that I needed to make with my a movie career. And I put it off and I was right. 50. Yeah. I was 50 when I came here. And it happened because I used to go from television to the theater very happily and did a lot of great television in the UK. Right, But I was, you know, I was... And I'd done, I'd done Lear, I'd done all the stuff at the RSC and D. And I was a pretty major actor in, in the UK. And I decided... And I came here to do *Strange Interlude, which I did on Broadway. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, in the 1980s. Right. And I also did another play at the same time. It was a very similar situation to now. I did a play at the Public, which was a big success called *Rat in the Skull*. Oh, yeah, where I got my great notice from Frank
0: Rich. Which uh. <laughs> well <great> done. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so you're working with Frank on *Succession*. He's, he's, in the, he's yeah. our godfather. Yeah, Frank yeah. is right.
2: the, the godfather of *Succession*. Yeah. So what happened was that I. I decided, you know, and I was, I was 50, I decided I, I'm going to go to the States. Yeah. I'm going to go there and just see. And, of course, people always said, what are you doing? Why? And I was, very, I was inspired by people like Gary Oldman and Tim Roth, much younger than me, and who'd right. done, done that. And I was going, you know, they've done really rather well, and I think I could probably do well there. right? Because, and also because television was so awful in England at that time. It had right. gone really reached an all-time low it's now gone the other way it's now really right. pretty amazing but it was at an all-time low then so i thought i really better you know reap while the harvest is good right. so i did that i came and also the, the the big factor was if i was going to be paid money i'd rather be paid more money for doing crap in america than crap in england <laughs> <laughs> right. so the, that's what the well, scott <laughs> comes yeah in. yeah right
0: right <laughs> and what have over the years what has been some of you mentioned the changes in the um london tv industry and sort of the the output has changed what what do you consider some of the biggest changes in the entertainment industry over the years
2: well uh it's it isn't the same as it was Mm. there was a kind of lineage about being an actor uh, particularly in the theater in the uk yeah that lineage is gone i mean you know i work with Olivier, I worked with John Gilgood, right. I worked with Ralph Richardson, all who were awe-inspiring, Paul yeah. Schofield. I never worked with Paul, but I used to watch Paul in rehearsal, because yeah. he was, oh, wow. to me, he's probably the greatest stage actor there was. Right. You know, So that lineage kind of evaporated hmm. uh, a little bit, and the RSC was really, at the and the National to to a certain extent, but really the RSC... There was a kind of continuum there, but that started to fall apart. And so it, it, and, and people, people, there was an element of people just seeing wrongly Emperor's New Clothes Mm -hmm. and saying, oh, well, it doesn't really mean anything anymore. I I think it always means something in the theater. So the theater became much more fractured in a Mm way. It's still, works and it's still incredibly impressive and, and it's new, it's, it's now it's, there's now diversity, there's all kinds of stuff which wasn't around when I was a kid, Right? you know, I was I mean I would be like an African American actor or, or, a, or, a, or a West Indian actor now mm-hmm. because I was working class so I was given those breaks, you know I was right. get, and, I, and, and I was very encouraged particularly in the 60s and with the casting directors in the UK hmm. so that, that, that has changed and the American theatre has lost a lot of its impetus, tragically. Because Mm. I think this cast I'm working with in The Great Society is one of the best casts I've ever worked with. And I walk on that stage every night, and I cannot believe the the intensity that's on that stage and the commitment that's on that stage. And it's rather tragic, Mm. because... You know, I keep thinking of old Tony Randall. You remember Tony Randall sure. who had this great desire for an American national theater? Yeah. And it's something that I would like to see reinstilled because it, the quality is there. Right. But they don't know where to go. Right. You know, they're all thinking, what do we do after? What's our next job? Yes. And in, in the UK, there was that structure which helped me. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it hadn't been for that structure, I, wouldn't have, I would never have become the actor I became. And
0: is, that is that the repertory structure? Is that it's what the repertory that is? Structure. Okay, yeah. It's
2: the repertory structure. I and mean, it is working. But it's always work. You know, in, in those days, you're right. I mean, if you think of it, Ian Holm, who was a wonderful actor. Yeah. Ian Holm spent 10 years at the RSC. It couldn't happen now. Yeah. Before he got a role. Before he got a, a sizable role. Oh, wow. You know. Yeah. And that was that. So you had an apprenticeship. And that was very considered. Right. Uh, it doesn't happen now because yeah. everybody's it's so instant you know right. I mean a, a kid can come out of drama school and be playing Hamlet almost straight away right. without necessarily the craft but yeah. you know all the adherent other stuff that goes with it so that sense of craft has been mm. sort of not eradicated but a film has gone over it a mm. sort of a blur has gone over it in a way and I think that's sad I think, and I see it with these young actors here. where I think these actors direct deserve a better future, than I know the future they're going to get because it's pretty dog eat dog out there, mm-hmm. and it's also dog eat dog from the producing point of view. I mean, I think the way people are cast in this country, I think casting is—they're so rude. Hmm. They're so incredibly rude.
0: Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. So how so? Can, can you well, elaborate just so a So
2: offhand, bit? I mean, the yeah. actors come in and they, you know, they do on tape and they don't they never meet anybody right. They do it in a way and it's and it's some secretary who's does it or some casting assistant yeah so there's no i mean that didn't happen when i came here when i came here and my I, and i got my big break in manhunter right i you know bonnie timmerman who was a wonderful infamous casting director yeah. she saw me she interviewed me you know marion doherty there's this wonderful program but car- there was a tradition of casting hmm. there was a care and there's a lack of care now. Mm. There's a rudeness. I see it with, you know, I see it with my wife, who's a wonderful actress, and she goes through it all the time. Mm. And I just think, this is not good. Right. This is really not good. It, there's this, the huma- you know, we're about humanity. Right. That's what we do. Right. And there has to be humanity in the room, you know, Yeah, you know, in order to do what we do. Right. And I think that's been gone. And I see it with these kids here I'm working with. They deserve a much better, they um, they deserve much more respect than they get. Mm.
0: Yeah, interesting. Um, and you're in um you're in the Great Society through the end of November. Mm-hmm. And what's next for you after this? You mentioned that well, succession that, season three happens in the spring.
2: Season, I've got this film coming out now called The Etruscan yeah. Smile, which mm-hmm. again is a is a pet project because yeah. again it's something that really you know I know Scorsese's been going on about this. You know, not liking um, the Marvel films. The Marvel yeah. films. Yeah well i don 't dislike the Marvel films. you know um, I mean, there is an argument that Scorsese, his films always have the same themes, mm-hmm. which are you know the corruption of the American business and how it sure. translates into mafia. you know okay. he, he doesn 't stray from that italian basis <laughs> yeah, right. you know, <laughs> right. so i don 't mind it. I think he's because he's a genius right. you know he 's a brilliant filmmaker. But what I do mind is the fact that in the cinemas, there are five say five screens. Mm. And there are four screens showing whatever Marvel, whatever DC right. comics are going on. Yeah. There's that one cinema, and there are so many films fighting for that one cinema. Yeah. And there is nothing like that's why festivals are great and very important because mm-hmm. there is that en- element of community. and community and my film Crust and Smart is a life affirming film yeah you don't get lots of life affirming films Uh nowadays
0: and as you look ahead at the kind of stuff you want to do as an actor and want to sign on for what what has guided you in your choices what well young directors yeah
2: uh, young visionaries uh, I did a film called L.I.E. several years ago oh yeah great movie yeah and uh, that was a movie that people said you don't want to be playing that character right and I said, uh, no, I think this is interesting because it's, right. it's an interesting d- dilemma. Yeah. That kind of thing, Michael Cuesta, working yeah. with Ellie w- Wes Anderson, you know. Right. Uh, I w- I've worked with a lot of people at the beginning. That's... Mm. of, And also the scripts, you right. know. Um, uh, I did a film with... It's a wonderful film with this Icelandic director called Kari, and Paul Dano and I reunited after he was much grown up. It's a beautiful. It's called The Good Heart. Mm. And it's kind of eccentric, but it's a lovely film. So I'm, I'm very keen on that. And, of course, okay. doing the, the Money Earners as well. Right. But also now, I'm, there's a very good script I'm interested in now, which is about the opioid generation. Oh, yeah. And I'm really interested in doing scripts of, of the now, of, of really the crisis we are in at the moment. Uh, even Succession is a morality tale. Succession oh, yeah. is clearly morality tale, and it's clearly about the fact that God is dead, and what do we have in its place? And right. Logan represents a sort of nihilist viewpoint, right. you know, that he feels he's somebody who's been disappointed by humanity. So, you, and you realize that people like that are a danger to humanity, mm. and people who tell lies. And there's a lot of lying going on around us, as we witness every yeah. day, right. and particularly in this country, and also. In the UK right. so that is important to me is really doing stuff which has a real
0: meaning for the
2: now yeah.
0: you you came over here to do film uh, but what you have always come back to the theater you were last yeah. on Broadway and that championship season it. yeah yeah I, is that important to you to come back to yeah, the theater it and it is why now. it is now. yeah I mean, why it's,
2: it's well I think because the live performances is, is is really how I've been trained mm. It's where I, you know, it's, it was it's it's where I was propelled to. I never intended. I mean, I always just wanted to do movies. Yeah. But then I got the theater. The theater came like a bug to me, and uh, and of course the theater in the UK was particularly when I was growing up was second to none. Mm. And it was just the most amazing time theatrically. Right. And there was also a great quid pro quo between people being in the cinema like Albert, and then doing films, Peter right. doing theater, theater right. and film. So I really feel that. And now I, I'm i very keen on, you know, I'd, just, I'd like a bit more time. I'd like a normal rehearsal yep. time, mm-hmm. but I am keen on doing stuff in, in the theater and right. doing stuff, you know, that, that has, you know, there's stuff that I'm interested in, like, uh, I'd like to relook at something like Inherit the Wind, for example. Yeah. Uh, because I think it needs rethinking, because you know, especially when we deal with fundala- the fundamental, you know, this whole thing of fundamentalism, and that—that's yeah. a play that deals directly with that. Right. And sometimes it gets clouded that we forget what the central issue is. What that monkey trial, scope Trial, is. Yeah. So that is something that would appeal
0: to me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we look forward to seeing what you do next, both on stage and on screen. Thank you, Gordon. Thank you, Mr. Cox. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Gordon. That was great. That was actor Brian Cox, now appearing on Broadway as Lyndon B. Johnson in The Great Society at Lincoln Center Theater through November 30th. If you like what you're hearing on this and other episodes of StageCraft, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or tell a friend. Next week on StageCraft, I'm talking to Jonathan Groff, the theater fan favorite now headlining a new revival of Little Shop of Horrors. Until then, see you at the theater.